It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. We are back for a bit of a special episode, the uh, anticipated and promised Matilda's Olympic Big Board. Um, We can't wait to crack in because obviously and unfortunately we need to have a little bit of a chat about what upcoming Matilda's squads look like because there's been some things that have happened, Um, namely the anterior cruciate ligament. But Anyway, that's we'll get into that. We'll, we will get into the weeds with that one. But basically, we cannot wait to do this big board. If you've listened, if you're a long-term listener, then you'll know we've done one of these before in the lead-up to the World Cup. Same rules will apply, which I will explain in a moment. But, yeah, we can't wait to get into the nitty-gritty of what these Matilda squads can look like uh, leading into the Olympics. God willing. Um, but before we begin today, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Rwandari and Gadigal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For today's big board, you've got me, Marissa Lordanic, Sam Lewis, and Angela Christian Wilkes. So quick recap of the big board rules. Basically, we are working to the assumption that if the Olympics was held next week and Tony Gustafsson had to pick a squad tomorrow, who would make the cut? Um which means, you know, players who are not playing or who are currently injured, who are out of form, if they feasibly couldn't take to the park tomorrow, then they're not going to be considered in our final squad. Um, We are also working to the assumption that the Olympic squads will be 18 players big because we think that's what's happening. We haven't heard anything to the contrary. 2020, we did see the expanded um squad sizes because of COVID we don't know if that rule is sticking around so we're gonna stick with 18 uh to make our lives more difficult um but we'll see how that actually pans out in reality um and basically we're breaking up our squad obviously into the usual positions your your forwards your midfielders your defenders and your goalkeepers and with each Within each of those positions, we will have our locks, the players who are making our hypothetical 18-player squad, Um, your players who are in the conversation, so a little bit more game time, a little bit better form, whatever it may be, they are in and around the conversation but not fully in the squad. And then we will have our bolters, so the players that, who knows, they could emerge out of nowhere or they're just having a really good season that they are worth being in the discussion um they deserve to be mentioned basically in this podcast so that's the big board um have I missed anything like I'm always aware when I go on these long windy rambly intros I'm like shut up like stop talking (laughs) um but yeah I think that explains the rules um I have also written them out on ESPN.com.au so you can read them there if 
my voice is not enough to explain these things to you guys. Um, but without further ado, let us begin an attempt to select an 18-player squad. And obviously we need to start with the Fords because that is, as I said, unfortunately the place where there is going to be the most change in a Matilda's squad. And it's basically a question that needs to be answered at the moment because uh, when I did a big board for ESPN in December last year, my Ford pack included both Sam Kerr and Holly McNamara, and that is no longer feasible because of the anterior cruciate ligament. So we need to basically answer the question of who replaces Sam Kerr, but also maybe the more relevant question is how? Like, should we be looking for a like-for-like like replacement or do we need to actually reconfigure things up front? So, oh my God, so much talking from me. Who is definitely making a Matilda's squad tomorrow up top? Because that, that's the easy question that we can start off the bat. Who is definitely making a Matilda's squad tomorrow? Well, firstly, it sounds like, Marissa, you've cursed both Sam Kerr and Holly McNamara by no, putting them in your big board from December. What a big... um, <laughs> um, okay, if it was picked tomorrow, there are some absolute locks, right? Caitlin Ford is first and foremost. She's been playing a lot and scoring for Arsenal in still probably the form of her career. Um, she's absolutely ripping. So there's probably no even need for a discussion around Caitlin Ford. Uh, I would say that the second lock, it probably has to also be Hayley Rasso. Um, hasn't been playing as regularly for Real Madrid as Caitlin Ford has for Arsenal, but she's still playing. Um, and as we've seen in the past, every time she comes into the Matildas camp, even if she hasn't been playing for a club, she absolutely kills it. So based on the the chemistry that those two players have and their performances during the Women's World Cup, I'd say that they are probably the first on the, on the list. Um, but the question about whether in the absence of Sam Kerr, you bring in uh, a like-for-like centre-forward replacement um, is a really tricky one to answer, I think, because you have to remember that this team doesn't have a lot of time until the Olympics roll around. And Tony Gustafson has talked in the past about how chemistry is really important. Chemistry takes a long time to build. Um, and in the lead up to a major tournament like this, you really want to make sure that all of the players that you have selected already have quite a solid foundation of chemistry amongst them. So in light of that kind of context or that rationale, it's really difficult to talk about someone like, for example, uh, Larissa, Larissa Crummer, who is starting and playing really well for Braun in, in Norway. Um, started both of their Champions League games against Lyon, um, scored a winner against Slavia Prague. Like She's playing really well over there, but she hasn't been in and around the Matildas for a while. And so it would be really tricky, I think, to justify bringing her in now, even though she is performing well at Clubland. Um, similar, I guess, as well for Michelle Heyman, for those who've been thinking about you know, the fact that she's currently the, the joint golden boot leader in the A-League women's with Canberra United, but she hasn't been involved in the Matildas for a very long time. So, you know, in that sort of light, you know, you've got also Remy Sampson, who isn't playing very much for, for um, her club overseas either. So I was like, well, 
like what do you do because we saw during the women's world cup that sam kerr being absent is not um doomsday it just means slightly moving the pieces around that you've already got and my worry is that by reaching out to a more natural center forward who has been performing for their club but maybe hasn't got the chemistry or the relationships with the Matildas around them um, due to, you know, them being sort of on the periphery or out of the team altogether over the past little while, that it might almost be counterproductive. So I, I don't know. I think there are a lot of different answers to this question. And, and you know, obviously another aspect of it is the kind of formation that wants to, that Tony Gustafson wants to play. Um, and whether he wants to continue with the sort of four four two and what that means, whether you actually need a natural centre forward in that kind of system, um, or whether you'd prefer to to keep it to the kind of core group that really seem to understand each other already. Um, yeah, that was basically a big non-answer. I'm very sorry. Um, but Angela, what do you reckon? Yeah, I agree. It's just having to like rethink um, what we do in terms of formation and well I say we like I'm in there with Tony I'm like buddy have you considered this anyway (laughs) well I guess this is what this podcast is really um anyway but I think for me the locks like yeah Hayley Rasso Emily Van Egmond and kind of I know she's not a forward but she's going to play that I think in absence of Sam Kerr she's going to continue to play that quite important role um further up the field and further up the midfield um other forwards uh, Caitlin Ford I know she's been getting a lot of flack online I don't know I just see like the soccer stands being mean to her and I'm I'm like leave her alone I don't know um it's always so unnecessarily harsh I I just it, it anyway but Caitlin Ford obviously and she's like one of those players like if we can if she's on and we can unlock her then kind of some of the anxieties around Kerr being absent will probably melt away a little bit. Um, I think the the interesting – am I going off script here, Marissa, if I start getting into bolters now? No, I'm happy for you to – we're talking about forwards, so let's keep it as – so we're, uh, for the sake of the, the big board, we're locking in your forwards. Okay. All right. Rather. Well, if we're locking them in. So, yep, Caitlin Ford. Mm-hmm. Where do we count Mary Fowler? She's listed as a midfielder, so we'll talk about her later. Uh, Honestly, I'm putting her as a Ford because I do not think in a Sam Curless world she is not playing Ford. Fair, very fair. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, like, I think that's, yeah, Caitlin Ford, Mary Fowler and Rasso are kind of the – the names that stand out in terms of yes we'll definitely see them in the squad list and that won't be a surprise yeah um i'm happy for you to transition oh sam's got a hand up but i'm then happy for you to transition into bolters and the like yes no that was the segue um i was going to also um draw attention to uh, amy sayer who i think is part of the sort of like on the edge of bolter to lock for me, I think the the performances that she's had for the Matildas since she's been called in have been really impressive. Um, even though she has had a bit of a break with her club over Christmas and New Year, I, I, I see her in a very similar way to, to how I see Mary Fowler and the role that she can play in terms of being like an attacking midfielder or almost like a false nine who can kind of drop in, play in that little like the base of the of the inverted pyramid, so to speak, with the two um, sort of quick wingers on either side 
Um, I think she's really smart. I think she's uh, technically very good. She's she's quick. She's tall. You know, she offers a lot that I I would love to see um, flourish in a major tournament. Like I'd really want to see her challenged. I don't know whether Tony trusts her enough just yet to allow that to happen, but I really hope that she gets some serious minutes against Uzbekistan in the two-legged playoff because I think that if there's any opportunity for her to prove that she could be the sort of the the, the fill-in, I suppose, for a Sam Kerr going forward. Because Mary Fowler, like, she's so good that she can kind of play anywhere, but I think the great thing about Fowler is that she she flourishes when she is unshackled from a position. I think when she's allowed to kind of roam around um, and read the game and be the kind of the glue that sticks everyone else together, I think that's where she's best. And so asking her to play as a center forward or as a false nine, I feel like is maybe not conducive to maximizing what she offers. Whereas I think an Amy Sayer probably is a little bit more suited to that more central um, kind of role, that kind of central space. So yeah, that, I, that's Amy Sayer is probably going to be my bolter. Oh, not to split hairs. I feel like she's not quite a bolter because she's in the blue, not out. No, that doesn't make sense. But you know what I mean. Like we, we, <laughs> it, we. It would make sense if we saw her name there, um, just because she has kind of had some minutes at Tilly's and and that kind of thing. But um, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see her kick on. I think. For me, just Sam Kerr's absence has highlighted that I feel, and we've discussed this as well, I think off the pod as well, in terms of nines being developed in the dub um, and just generally there's a bit of a gap there for those out and out kind of, yeah, like strikers who are just, you know, want ball, score goal kind of players. So um seeing her in the mix even if she's not going to get much game time I think it would be like comforting to know in that kind of context um in terms of like maybe a little more unhinged bolters we referring to the dub again it's that whole thing of like all the players that are scoring a lot of goals well not all of them but a, a, a good lot of them are um not from Australia so You've got like your Millie Farrow at Perth, uh, the Central Coast Mariners have Ergamal and like Badawia, who's from the US. But then we do have like Sophie Harding. And Sophie Harding, I feel like she adds, she's probably got the skill set that we've, we already have a lot of in terms of like pacey wingers. So she she does kind of play a little bit like a Hayley Rasso or a Courtney Vine. So I feel like maybe she's not in the conversation just yet unless like she kicks on and kind of becomes, you know, undeniable. But someone like an Amina Ekic or a Rachel Lowe might provide something a little bit different. Well, they do something a little bit different um, to that kind of pacey winger thing. So I don't know. I, it could be interesting. I don't I don't expect it but would be nice. I don't know. I mean, Ekic in particular, I think she's having like a, a standout season and she's just banging them in for City as well. Um, so, Bestie. I hate yeah. to be the one to tell you this. Amina Ekic represents Bosnia. Oh, for <laughs> fuck's sake. What? Yeah. She, she's just not? US born, but she um she represents Bosnia, I'm pretty sure. 
Yeah, she <laughs> she's not Australian. Like I can tell you that much with certainty. Um, uh, I, like, I would love to have Amina Ekic available to oh us. Oh my god! Yeah, fantastic. Well, I'm pivoting. What about Daniela Galich? <laughs> the other is. like, is that fine? Sure. Daniela yeah, Galich would be, be, be a Balta for sure. And itch a... we can claim. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yes, off the top of my head. Okay, well, that's silly. I just thought that flag was like an error on Zuckerway, to be real. My apologies to Bosnia, to Bosnians, to Amina Ekic. Um, ignore everything I just said. Hey, Rachel, though. I'm sorry. Right. I thought that flag was an error. Um, that's fantastic. That's, that's made my day. That was fantastic. Um, I guess, are you trying to just like, you're like, <gasps> just like, when is the polite time to jump in and. That's the thing. I, cause I, like the first time you mentioned her, I was like, oh, she could just be talking about players who are doing, who are doing well in the dub. But then you continued. I'm like, oh no. Yeah. No, yeah. no. <laughs> <Nope, laughs> Um, that, like with Vesna Milivojevic, I'm like, I know that you pl- like, can they come back? Is that a thing? Probably not. No, no they're gone. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I'm just going to put a big cross through Emina Ekic's name. <laughs> that's, a- that's interesting. Anyway, so Bolter's uh, Rachel Lowe would be kind of maybe someone um I would be calling into camp if I was Tony. Uh, t- but in again, in terms of like, at the moment, the, the short-term solution is working with the known quantities um, because, the, yeah, it just we don't really have that out-and-out striker to, to plop in there and do what Sam Kerr does. Well, no one can do what Sam Kerr does, but, you know, try and emulate. When I left to go get my tissue, did either of you talk about Michelle Heyman? Oh my god, Michelle Heyman, yeah. Michelle. Yeah. Uh, no, we didn't. Did you want to talk about Michelle Heyman? My, well, I, I kind of mentioned her off the top, but if you want to go into more depth, then please do. Yeah. My thing is just, and that's why when I started the conversation, I was like, it's not just who replaces Sam Kerr, it's how we replace Sam Kerr because I feel like if we do try to go for a more like-for-like replacement, then that's where Heyman does come into the conversation. Um, But if we go the way we did during the World Cup, to me that almost automatically rules out a Michelle Heyman because that's not... um, it's not a setup where she would flourish, I think, um, which is why then your talk about Amy Sayer, to me, that's a player who would work well in the World Cup setup. Rachel Lowe, she's a player who I can see succeeding in the World Cup setup. Um, but, yeah, it's it's really – well, it's not funny, but funny is the only word that's coming to mind at the moment because I haven't finished my coffee. Um, but, like – Heyman is doing well. She is currently the Australian in the dub with the most goals and we need a goal scorer. So like on paper, it feels like it should be here is your hole and here is your plug. Like problem solved. Um, 
but my thing is just I can't see Tony calling her up. Um, the merits of that, the rightness and wrongness of that, that's a, a separate debate. Um, but I can't see Tony calling up Heyman, even though she is doing well. Um, I'm not opposed to her getting the call up um, and kind of almost doing like a, I hate myself saying this, a last dance kind of one last time, one last rodeo, let's go, see how it works. Um, But, yeah, I just fear it's she's been out of the conversation for too long that it's almost passed her by, but not not necessarily through any fault of her own. Like, I really want to stress that I don't think Michelle Heyman is a bad player or anything like that. Um, I just don't see how, like, the current coaching setup, the current way we want to play, all of that kind of stuff, I don't see how she gets included. Um, but I'm never, like, going to say no if she does magically pop up because, I like, I love Michelle Heyman. We all love Michelle Heyman on this pod and I think it would be fun to see her included once again. So that's why she's a bolter for me and not an in-the-conversation player. Um Mainly because I don't see us attempting to replace Kerr with an out-and-out striker number nine type player. I see us trying to replace her the way we did in the World Cup, which for the most part worked really, really well. So um, those are my thoughts on Michelle Heyman. I wonder also with the... Like, how do you work around a team with no Kerr? In the World Cup, that was such a high-pressure situation. So I wonder if that kind of changes how things go as well because it was like it, it was kind of like do or die and flying by the seat of their pants because of the calf injury. Whereas, yeah, I, I'm interested to see with, like, this time to actually plan and put together a squad that accounts for that how that will look as well and if there's going to be some stuff that comes up that we hadn't considered or yeah um hadn't hadn't thought of yet but and I also wonder if that kind of changes how we're going to play out on the pitch in terms of just the vibes as well I don't know because again it's these are really important games but they're not world cup group stage games Hmm. anyway Are there any other Fords that you would like to mention to say that you at least mentioned them before they potentially make a, a bolt from the blue? This is your Hannah Irish Wilkinson. Right what the hell? <laughs> Angela says, fuck your FIFA nationalities. Everyone's a Matilda. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Go on. We, we also chatted a little bit about Emily Gilnick uh, pre-pod. Um, I think where you landed with that, Maurice, was that it would be great to see her further down the track, but at the moment she's still coming back from injury, still building form. And I'm, I agree with you there. I think, uh, I think definitely in the conversation for next time, I'd be a little bit like question mark if she was called up at this stage. Sam? There is currently a man um, band sawing a bathtub on my street right in front of my window. So if you hear that, which you probably will, 
in about 10 seconds. That's what that is. Um, <laughs> this is not a like a, a, a realistic thing, but I'd, like in terms of players who are able to be brought along in just like a training capacity, like a train on player, uh, uh, you know, whatever, I would really love to see a Daniela Galich be given an opportunity to come into the Matildas environment because I think she has been so exceptional in the A-League women. Oh, my God, can you hear that? <laughs> I think she has been so good for Melbourne City in the A-League women and considering how young she is and how good she already is, it would be really great, I think, to just, like, let her experience what the senior international standard is like and give her the idea, the experience of oh, this is how much further I need to go. This is how much harder I need to work. This is how much faster I need to get. She's been outstanding in the youth national teams for a while now and I think it's only probably a matter of maybe two or three more years of consistent non-injured club football before hopefully she's able to take that next step and maybe move overseas. Um, Yeah, I'd I'd love to see her called in um, into into that space. I'd also really like to see... Like, I know we're about to talk about midfielders in a second, but I'd like to see someone like a Laura Hughes or like a like a sort of like emerging defensive midfielder maybe to kind of get a bit of a look in. Um, like, I know we, like clearly it's they're never going to be replacing a Kyra Critty Cross and a Katrina Gorey in terms of the next major tournament or two. But like at least sort of bring them in and show them the ropes and see what the vibe is and blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's just, a, I don't know how many, like what's the maximum number or the cap on the number of train on players is that you can bring in, but I'd like to see a couple of A-League women players get a look in because I think they deserve it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I was like, I like friend of the pod, Laura Hughes, love her. But I'm just like, we can't even get Claire Wheeler, who is an established national team player, onto the pitch. Like, um, this this is not the moment or time for um, defensive midfielders in particular in a Tony Gustafson squad. But it is the time for midfielders in this here podcast. So let us move along um, to talk about midfielders. Um it feels very weird that this is a section of the pitch that seems to just be bursting at the seams with players and potential players and uh, fringe players. So um, obviously straight off the bat, we are locking in, as you just said, Karakuni Cross and Katrina Gori because I don't think Tony knows any other midfielders, to be like honest. Um, and to be fair, they're bloody fantastic. Um, they're taking over London together at the moment. So, like, it's all very positive. It's a very much a why Why would you want to break it up? Why would you want to try and fix something that isn't broken? Um, for me, Van Eggs is also a lock because of the role that she plays in the system we are most likely to use 
in this Sam Kerr-less world. I keep making it sound like she died. I'm sorry. In in Sam Kerr's absence, I feel like Van Eggs is a lock. So are we okay with me locking in Eve? Um, then you were talking about her as a kind of in the conversation player. I'm locking in Amy Sayer if I'm being honest with you. I reckon she's it. I like, and if she can continue playing well in Sweden, if she gets a good run of game time, which I hope she does in the qualifiers and then in any um, friendlies after that, I think she should be an option in this squad. But I'm happy for that to be kind of debated and discussed. Um, who else do we kind of like the look of in terms of either a lock or in the conversation for, for midfielders? I think in the conversation, you have to talk about Chloe Legazzo. Um, The way that she has come back from that sort of series of little injuries and obviously the big injury um, and has really become kind of the the, the, the heartbeat of Western United. Um, it's It's been really impressive. Like the, the trajectory and how rapidly she's kind of um, got back up to speed has been really great to watch. Obviously, it's a whole other level going from A-League women club football to international football. But I think bringing in a Legazzo just to see where she's at um, is important. I would like to see her brought in for the qualifying window next month against Uzbekistan. I think she deserves that. I think she's worked really hard and and has made a claim um, to at least be part of the biggest squad again and be considered. Whether or not she's actually going to make the final 18, I, I don't think she will because I, I think Tony will go for players who are internationally match fit um, and who, again, have developed a lot more chemistry over the last year uh, with each other. So Legazzo is one of the is one of the in-the-conversation ones for me. Um, can't really think of many others, you know. What do you reckon, Angela? I, yeah, I don't, I feel like uh, there's lots of, again, there's lots of like, I feel like good midfielders in the dub at the moment, but because of the context of like, we're pretty set for like, I don't know if Alex Chidiak has to kind of be mentioned, but um, her kind of but Tilly's journey over the past few years has been a little bit touch and go and, you know, a topic of much conversation. I feel like at the moment in terms of dub form, we haven't seen just like quite enough to justify um, including her in a squad that's already pretty set in my eyes in terms of the midfield. So, but I, I could be wrong. Again, like wasn't it last, uh, last time she was called in, bit of an awkward moment. She was like, dropped and then called in after the injury to Holly McNamara. So I, I don't know. She's in the conversation, I would say, but not a lock. Um, and also not a bolter, like we, cause we've kind of been here before, but um, yeah, I don't know that uh, Chloe Legazzo is a really good shout for me. Um, and I, I think as Harrow has demonstrated on this podcast before, she's, she's never out of the conversation truly. <laughs> 
So, um, and I, I, yeah, I really rate her as a player. So to see her back at some stage would be fantastic. And I think even just like getting called into camp would be a really positive start. But um, yeah, I don't think she's like in terms of the midfield, we're looking pretty comfortable. And I say that I'm going to touch the wood. Every piece of wood. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe also a Tamika Yallop sort of um, belongs to that. (laughs) Not quite a lock, but not like a bolter either. Um, I think she's been consistently pretty good for Brisbane Raw and has been able to offer their midfield sort of an extra level of quality that has helped them in some respects. But in saying that, Brisbane aren't exactly doing well on the ladder, so it's kind of hard to assess it in that way. But, you know, she's so experienced. Um, She was part of the World Cup squad. She's versatile. She can do so much. And this will, I would suggest probably be her last shot at an Olympic Games too. Um yeah, I'd be I'd be curious to to see how Yallop fits into this again, the system, right? Because she doesn't quite fit anywhere because she can kind of do everything. And in a system where you kind of need specialists, she's almost too general now to belong or to overtake any of the the players who are already kind of set in stone. Um yeah, so yeah, it's a it's a funny one. Even though we've got like so many midfielders, it seems like we kind of only have a like a less than a handful that we are absolutely certain about. Yeah, I wonder if that's just because we like again we haven't seen like like a Wheeler, for example, used a lot in this Tilly squad. Even though she's been she is in and around the Tilly squad, so I don't know. I generally I think I'd like to see more rotation of our midfield like a Yallop is she's such a workhorse and I think she's been yeah crucial for this Brisbane side in terms of like the kind of project they're on this season and she has been so consistent and that's been really great to see because when she's um yeah playing well um she's I don't know she's a very understated player I think in terms of what she does but she's yeah she's great so but I'm thinking of her in this context in terms of like that more uh, like box to box midfielder role uh, where like, as we've seen in the past few years, when she does come into the Tilly, she is that utility player to kind of like plug and play. So it's, yeah, I don't know. It, to see her played in the position that she does best at again, because we've kind of got Tony has what he's, his players that he wants doing those roles, I don't really see yeah, Yallop coming in to be a box-to-box midfielder. Sorry, that was really gobbled. But um, I don't – I think she's definitely, like, she, she was in the last squad. I feel like she – it wouldn't be a surprise if she was also in this one. I wouldn't say she's a – oh, maybe she's a lock. I don't know. If, I, if I'm shrugging my shoulder, she's probably not a lock. Marissa, I'm going to – no, I just, um, as an observer to that conversation, I, without going, like, it's not that deep, it's just a Matilda squad, but I think it was really interesting the way you guys were talking about players because, um, and this is probably a product of the way Tony has run things, it's the, the conversation between you guys was very much, well, if they're not starting, they're not a lock because Tony doesn't rotate. So that, you know, someone like a Yollop, who in my opinion is absolutely a lock for a squad, both of you look at her as like, mm, yeah, yeah. 
because she doesn't start. Like that's the way I'm um, seeing this conversation unfold. And yeah. I think it's really funny because it's absolutely, in my opinion, 100% a byproduct of the way that Tony has run the team. So even um, neither of you really mentioned Claire Wheeler. Again, another player who's absolutely a lock, in my opinion, for the squad, but doesn't feel like a lock because we never see her play because of the way Tony has set up the team. Um, so I think that's just a really interesting, almost unconscious um, way in which we're perceiving the Matildas and perce- perceiving a potential Matildas squad. Um, but also it's not that deep. It's just, it's a hypothetical squad. Um, but yeah, um, also we've literally only locked in six players. We need to come up with another 12. <laughs> um, so I'm happy for us to kind of, we'll go through the defenders and the goalkeepers and then we can, you know, uh, chuck people in to any gaps that we see. But yeah, very interesting, um, I suppose, the way that we're we're framing our own conversations based on what we've seen over the last kind of four years. Um the only other person that neither of you mentioned that I did have written down in my notes was KK. Not as, by no means as a lock, and maybe not even as an in the conversation, but um, you're never, in my opinion, not going to consider a 100-plus cap Matilda who is currently fit and healthy and playing in the dub. I know obviously then form becomes... Um, the deciding factor there but to me she is at least a bob top because it feels wrong to not mention KK to be honest but that could also be my KK bias so um yeah who are our six players sorry at the moment we've got Ford, Razo, Fowler, Cooney Cross, Gory, mm. Eve and then uh, Raso, is that seven? Oh, Raso. No, oh, did I say Raso? Yeah, Ford, uh, Raso, Fowler. I'm not good at. Re- <laughs> uh, yep. Ford, yep, Raso, Fowler, Cooney, Cross, Gory, Eve. Yep. Okay. Well, if we need to add in more, pe- I would say Wheeler for seven. Mm-hmm. Um, s- s- going off our Sayer conversation, I feel like Sayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, As agreed. <laughs> I agree um, too. And then we can chat defenders and see where we're at. Excellent. Still only right. eight. My goodness. Oh, there's goalkeepers <laughs> as well. <laughs> All good. I think that unfortunately, and I mean this in the best way, the most respectful way, and it is ultimately a positive thing, the defenders and goalkeepers, boring. There, there is not a lot to chat about and long may that continue. I'm knocking on every single piece of wood that is in front of me. Um, any objections to our Olympic starting backline, if it was picked tomorrow, is Ellie Carpenter, Claire Hunt, Alana Kennedy, Steph Catley, Mackenzie Arnold in goal. That, that, yep. I'm getting nods, listeners. I'm getting nods. That's it. <laughs> yep. What a beautiful time to be alive. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, this it, is, and, like, the other thing is that, like, it's – when when it comes to like trying to figure out who is the next level of player to step into the shoes of a Steph Catley or an Ellie Carpenter or a Claire Hunt, if God willing or God willing, if God forbid they get injured or something happens, 
like that's already very clear as well. It's going to be a Courtney Nevin, it's going to be a Charlie Grant, and it's probably going to be a Claire Polkinghorne because we don't really have anyone else, you know? Like even we've been talking about players in A-League women who are sort of putting up their hands to be involved as like a like absolute bolter or coming on as a, like a train-on player. But when I look across like the defensive part of the A-League women's, there aren't really any players who absolutely have put their hands up to be in that bracket of 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 player you know like who who of the two of you who can think about it if you could just bring in one defender from the a-league women who's never been capped by the matildas who comes in as a train on player doesn't play any minutes but just comes in to have have the experience who's the name that jumps out Naomi Chinema for me. Yeah, nice. But also, like, we've got, just to not respond to your question at all, at this point in time, I would call up Amy Harrison, um, who obviously is capped, has Tilly's experience, but has been playing a a more defensive role at the Wanderers and and been doing a pretty decent job of it. So, yeah. yeah, but in terms of, I, I take your your point, Sam. Who who did you have in mind when you asked that question? Honestly, the the first person that I thought of was was Tash Pryor, but then I had yeah. to remind myself that Tash Pryor has had a thousand concussions, and it's probably not uh, not safe <laughs> to be anywhere near international speeds with that kind of ball coming at her head. Um. The, the only other player that I could possibly think of is Kirsty Fenton at Sydney FC. Um, and we spoke in the last A-League women's pod about how, you know, there hasn't really been a standout player for Sydney so far this season. But if I really had to, like, be forced to pick someone, I think it would be Fenton because Fenton has been very consistent. Um, I think she's individually, technically she's excellent um she sort of just needs to like get a bit older I think she just needs to sort of get a little bit smarter um and add I think more attacking rhythms to her play but she seems to have a lot of the really good foundations that someone in the early 20s should have to be a a very good international fullback and obviously she's represented Australia at youth level so she's kind of in and around um, I guess the 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 development conversation in any case, um, but yeah, beyond them, I centre backs. I don't know. While you guys were talking, I was looking at just like the lineups from the most recent round of dub, and it, it's very funny because it feels like a very similar conversation to the strikers, where most team centre backs either have like one or both international players um so for example like a victory well she's Aussie Kayla now but it was Kayla Morrison and Tori Hansen so Americans but she is Aussie Kay- I'm, she's Aussie Kayla now I know do not at me um it, also just like the the Morrison for Matilda's bandwagon I know it still exists um is it does it mean anything to you guys anymore or was that a a product of its time a couple of years ago. Again, I'm getting facial expressions, listeners. There's. I mean, I think it's like the. I think the 
when the Kayla Morrison for Matilda's like discourse was happening, I feel like it happened at a very particular time where A, Kayla Morrison was having a ripping season and B, mm. we were having some real problems with our centre backs at the Matildas as well. So it was like, well, this is bad and this is good. Let's just swap these around and that'll solve all the problems. Mm. But the problem now is that we have one very good centre back in Claire Hunt, one inconsistently playing centre back in Alana Kennedy and Kayla Morrison has kind of dropped off. Um, mm. in terms of her performances this season. So I think by virtue of that, she's kind of like, it's not quite become as urgent a, a call as what it was back then. Yeah. I was yeah, I'd agree with that. Urgency feels like the key word there. Like at the height of the pandemonium, it was like, she needs to, we need her now. Um, but yeah, so like I said, it's either kind of centre-back pairings seem to be like internationals you sort of journey women, A-League women players, or they're just fractionally too young to be in proper consideration, which is where I would put, like, a Chinema, um, who I think will be a Matilda's centre-back, just not in this hypothetical squad. Um, which is why, then, for me, like, a Courtney Nevin becomes a lock in the squad because she can play centre-back and she can play full-back and she offers, not that we needed another dead ball specialist, but she does have that in her arsenal as well. Um, so that's why she becomes a lock for me. I do like the Fenton shout, though. I'm just worried, or not worried, it's, um, f- I don't know how it happened, but we have a couple of fullbacks now available to us which didn't feel like a thing a couple of years ago so I'm worried at the moment she's a little bit down the pecking order but I do agree with you that she should shoot right into contention um and yeah would absolutely be one of those players who kind of benefits from being in some training camps being in and around the squad um I suppose Charlie Rule is also in that because but also uh, Charlie Rule is also in that conversation but is a little bit further along in the sense that she has been in some camps recently made her debut um things of that nature so um yeah for me for me the defenders are really easy it's the four we've already mentioned Courtney Nevin and Charlie Grant like that's who I'm bringing and I feel like that covers all the bases because of the versatility within that group of six players where, you know, Nevin can play a couple of positions. Grant can play either fullback. It's not good, but we have seen Carpenter move centrally. We've seen, we know Catley can absolutely do a job centrally if need be. And we're not shoehorning non-specialist left backs in to cover her. So that that's my six, but if there are objections, I'm happy to hear them. This is a democracy. I'm so sorry, but did we forget Courtney Vine? I was going. I was to literally her. thinking that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to mention her because we do need to have a conversation about her. All right, let me quickly lock in our defenders, <laughs> and then we can go back because um, we've got three spots left. Because I've put an automatic lock on Mackenzie Arnold. So we've got three spots left. Um, when I did the big board in December, Courtney Vine was not in the squad because she was contending with whatever kind of weird little injuries have 
hampered her in this first half of the season. Um, I want her to be a lock. I don't know if she is. Does that make sense? (laughs) Does my um, hesitation resonate with anyone else, basically? Yes, absolutely. I think, yeah, I'm in the same boat and... I think it's not just that she's sort of coming off this series of injuries which has um, affected things, but she really hasn't been very good for Sydney FC. Like she's been she's been good, but she hasn't been great. And it was when she was first called into the Matildas, it's because she was great for Sydney FC. She was clearly one of the best probably three or four players in the entire A-League women, and that that got her a spot. But she hasn't been doing that for Sydney. Um, she hasn't really been scoring goals. Yeah, she's been creating chances, but she hasn't really locked in any assists. It's So, like, how do you do you just bring her along because she, she's done it before uh, and because she's fast and you know she's fast? Or do you use it as an opportunity to say, look, we think that you need to get better. We think you need to push yourself and we're going to use this moment to give you an incentive, basically, to to get better. And I don't know what's happening with mine behind the scenes. Maybe she is still struggling with these injuries. She's often strapped um, quite heavily on one of her um, her legs when she plays for Sydney. But yeah, I I don't think that she has done enough to to warrant a call up necessarily. But then the question becomes, well, who who else is there then uh, in terms of the forward line that can come in for someone like a Hayley Rasso. If you do want to have a a particular kind of style and you do have these starting players who play a particular way, who who else is there? What other kind of quick wingers who are able to get in behind defences and and charge to the byline and cut the ball back? Who else is there? I don't know. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I don't know. I feel, I feel like just she's, she's a lock at the moment just because of uh not based on current form but because we know what she can do and if she's not injured then that's great but I feel like she's been like called into like camp and up for friendlies when she's had niggles and they've just had to be managed and that's why we've probably not seen a whole lot of her um so yeah and I also don't know if that's like what the priority there is in terms of just making sure that she gets over this kind of whatever's going on at the moment in terms of this like persistent but not completely debilitating injury fog that she seems to be in um whether you just say like yeah we're not going to actually call you up at the moment we're going to manage minutes or whatever but you're still in the conversation it's obviously something that the Tilly's backroom staff would be thinking about and discussing but yeah I don't know that didn't answer any questions, but I would I would put her on the list. Yeah, at least. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. I it's um picking squads is an imperfect science and luckily ours isn't real. Like that's a Tony problem. Ours is only fake. Um but right, let's um why am I yelling? Let's lock in our second key part and then we have two spots to deal with that we can debate amongst ourselves with uh, how we actually feel them. Tegan Micah. Yeah. It's got to be, right? Like, considering where she is, she's playing in and out for Liverpool, but, you know, she's still training with a really high-quality squad. She's in a great environment. And when you think about Lydia Williams at the moment, hasn't been playing much for Melbourne Victory, has clearly got some kind of injury that she's dealing mm-hmm. with, hasn't played for the Matildas in a while as well. Yeah, I feel like it's a pretty up-and-down kind of answer. Yeah. Like I said, defenders and goalkeepers, boring. Um, so are we then happy to lock in Arnold, Micah, goalkeepers, Grant, Nevin, Hunt, Kennedy, Catley, Carpenter, defenders? Yep. Yeah. Sick one. Okay. So then we have locked in Sayer, Wheeler, Van Egmond, Gorry, Cooney Cross as midfielders, and then Fowler, Razo, Ford up top so what's missing basically what do we have available that we are happy to put in this squad and what is missing that those players currently on the side of our list can actually um fill also if you need if you are visual learners i've literally got the list on the rundown so you can see what we're doing (laughs) if like so if if this was just my list I'm filling those two spots with Yollop and Legazzo. That is my humble opinion because I feel like, again, Yollop is the kind of player, and especially in an Olympic squad, it's her versatility should come in handy in an Olympic squad especially because of the small number of um, players that we are allowed to take. And then Legazzo, I just think she – I spoke about it on the pod um, earlier this week uh, with Viv Miedemar where it was like she's been gone for so long and then she scores an absolutely spectacular goal and you're like, I'm sorry I forgot your game. Damn, you're really good. I feel like <laughs> this season we're getting the kind of full Chloe Legazzo experience of like, oh, man, this is what we've been missing since September 2022 because injury has really – um, cursed you for lack of a better word. Um, so that if this was my list, they are my locks. They are who I would fill these last two spaces with. But I'm also kind of very aware that um, it, it feels wrong that we don't have another kind of proper Ford in there. Like it does give me anxiety, even though I know that. Um, the way we're kind of looking at this squad and how we would hypothetically set it up, we don't need an out-and-out fort. It still feels wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm I think I agree with you, Marissa. I think that would be my pick as well in the context of the Olympics. Um and also in the context of just like we just don't have any other forwards to sort of call on right now, you know, which is a uh, a bigger conversation I think that we need to have as a sport about why we struggle to produce centre forwards 
Um, we've got a couple who are coming through sort of like junior Matilda's level, but it's it's there's this age bracket which is just an absolute void. Um, yeah, I think given the versatility of, of Yallop and Legazzo, given that they have both been showing at club level that they can act as that kind of attacking midfielder, getting in and around the box, scoring goals, because ultimately that's like that's the thing we need to replace, right? We need to replace goal scoring. And goal scoring doesn't always have to come through a number nine. It can come through lots of different ways. And so in because of that and because we've seen what both these midfielders can do at international level when it comes to scoring goals, I think that puts them in in this final 18. Um, whether Tony thinks that way, though, is going to be a different story. I wouldn't be surprised, for example, to see a Claire Polkinghorne brought into the fold or maybe even an Ivy Lewick again because Lewick can play in a number of different roles as a centre-backs and also as a defensive midfielder experience big tournament experience um same for Polks as well Polks has got all like an incredible number of of um of years under her belt and and can really lead in a moment like this um and yeah, like center forwards, we sort of already addressed it. You know, there's a couple who are in and around, like a Remy Seamson, a Larissa Crummer, uh, Michelle Heyman. But I just, I just don't. I think they're too far away, really, from this group and from this conversation to actually be considered. So, yeah, I'm pretty comfy with that. I think that's a good, that's a good 18. To be honest, I would probably be erring towards like Yallop and Polks. Um, I just feel like like Polks is always there. If Polks wasn't there, I'd be like, why is she not there? And uh, like, obviously we, un- we understand the limitations with her is like in terms of um, speed and, and that kind of thing, but she is just so reliable. So, but I think, yeah, really good shout with Lewick as well in terms of like the versatility um, she has in being able to do a couple of different things, but um, yeah, I feel for me it would probably be Yallop and Polks in those two slots. But then, in terms of like an extended friendly squad, probably looking, yeah, I would bring a Legazzo a hundred percent. No, I hear you because when again when I did the squad in December, I actually asked you guys about I asked your guys' opinion because I value your opinion in these things. And the thing that got the most conversation going in the group chat was the fact that I had left Polks off. And it was like, I don't take any pleasure in leaving Polks off. The way I rationalized it was Polks can do centre back, where there are other players who can do more positions and kind of um, because it is the Olympic squad, because it's only 18 players, I put a premium on playing multiple multiple positions rather than the obvious experience that Pokes would bring to a squad. Um, But I, like if I actually stepped in Tony's shoes, I reckon he would bring a Pokes over a Legazzo. Like if this was, do your best imitation of Tony Gustafsson. I do think that's how he would do it. Um, Like I said, I just think Legazzo's done really well, but I'm... Okay, we've definitely decided on Yollop. (laughs) Um, So we can lock her in. 
And there's two Libras on this podcast. Split decision, not good for the indecisive among us. It's me and Angela. You you already knew that, but it's me and Angela. Um, <laughs> Sam, as the non-Libra here, you make the final decision. <laughs> That's called passing um, buck, baby. <laughs> yes, okay. I I think Polkinghorn goes because I don't think Legazo will be at the international speed. I think that it's been too long since she's been regularly involved with the Matildas that it's going to take her a little bit longer, maybe another six to eight months before she's really back at the level that she needs to be for international football. So because of that, I think Polkinghorn will go. I am happy with that. It's thumbs up all round. All right. So we have our hypothetical 18-player squad if the Olympics squad needed to be picked tomorrow. Um, We will obviously post this on social media so you can tear us new ones in the comments and the replies. Um, We would obviously love to hear your, your 18s, your justifications. How do you look at this scenario? How do you set us up? up top who do you value more than other players considering everything that we have in this last hour when it comes to a potential Matilda squad we genuinely can't wait to hear it so make sure you add us at the far post pod everywhere um social media wise but yeah um this is I always enjoy doing the big boards because it really is just us shooting the shit for an hour talking about the Matildas but um yeah, we hope you enjoyed this one. We'll hope to do we hope to do another one in the lead up to the Olympics proper, assuming that we do indeed qualify. We'll have those two games against Uzbekistan obviously to contend with first and we'll talk about them when we hear squads for that and obviously when those two games happen as well. But um think that's that's enough for today we're over on espn.com.au and the espn app as always uh make sure you subscribe and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts where whether that be spotify apple other places um and yeah like i said make sure you let us know your thoughts on your hypothetical uh 18 player matilda squad that has to be picked tomorrow for the olympics but otherwise Go Tilly's and Slayers!